City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. You are listening to Inside the Hive on the All Hornets Podcast Network. One podcast feed with multiple shows, making sure we cover the Charlotte Hornets from every single angle. If you like what you hear, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. The All Hornets Podcast is affiliated with the Fans First Sports Podcast Group. Chase, on today's show, we have news. We have actual Hornets news. It's not really good news in any way, but it's actual news, even ahead of training camp starting next week. So we're going to get onto that. We are then also going to talk a little bit about uh, Tyler Hero, who Jake Fisher recently linked linked Charlotte with in his latest report. Um, So that's going to be an interesting, we'll talk a little bit about Hero, how he would maybe fit here, what potential trade package could look like. Um, But before we go any further, Chase, how are you doing? One week out from media day. I am doing very well. I mean, I think this is probably like the third podcast in a row that I've been saying this, but I am extremely excited. For the season to get here i mean like one week out october 2nd every team around the league is going to have their media day by the next morning every team will have opened their training camp i think like teams that are playing overseas and like the that game in dubai like, i think dallas opened their camp today like tuesday september 26th so they're definitely getting a head start because they got to do a bunch of traveling but not long until every single team in the league is back in action and it is officially basketball season we're almost there yeah, I'm, it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride the next the next month um, here, and we're hoping next podcast next week we're gonna have Skylar come on, who's hopefully been at Media Day, and we're able to fill us in briefest and all the key quotes. Something that we did last year when was was a, the the best place you want to come for Media Day content, you come right here. We'll get Skylar Callahan, site publishing manager for All Hornets, who will be there in the room. So there's not many podcasts that can offer you that. Um. I mentioned about Hornets news earlier. It wasn't a watch bomb. It wasn't a sham shocker. It was a Reed rocker, Steve Reed. Um, coming out of nowhere, Steve Reed of the Associated Press uh, covered the Hornets for a long time, uh, involving a lot of other things as well in North Carolina, Charlotte area. And out of nowhere today, we still don't have like the actual source of this. Was this a luncheon was it a press conference we don't know all hornets weren't told about it and i don't think any other media outlets were either but steve reed tweeted out some uh, very interesting information ahead of training camp opening next week and we're going to tackle kind of each of these three pieces of information one by one but firstly just some injury updates um cody martin is going to be limited to start training camp and bryce mcgowan's recently sprained an ankle and he is going to be out and i quote for a little bit so the good news here is that Mark Williams is all healed from his thumb surgery over in the offseason. Sounds like he's going to be a full go in training camp. So um, I guess that means that Lamelo Ball is a full go after his ankle surgery uh, earlier in the year. Uh, but Chase, I guess if, if you think about like we didn't know anything about what was going on with injuries, and this is our first real window into training camp, would you view this as like good news, bad news, somewhere in the middle? How are you feeling about obviously hearing about Cody, Bryce, and Mark. So I think as of now, it's probably just somewhere in the middle, but it definitely has potential to be bad news. I'm very curious if Cody Martin is limited with the exact same injury mm. that he had last season, which was, question so I don't even has. really know if we got like an actual name for the injury. It was just kind of like ongoing knee soreness and just kind of seemed like he had general instability yeah. in his knee he like a, all year. He had a surgery. We still didn't right. know any detail around it. We just had a right. knee surgery. And I, I, I read the release today. He's going to be out for four weeks following his knee surgery. Uh, turns out it was a lot longer than that. Um, and he was still not right after coming back from that surgery. The, the thing I'm wondering about is, is Cody Martin being limited in training camp? I, everyone's mind is straight going to, well, one, it's definitely associated with that knee injury, and it's because it's still bothering him. It could be the case. It's important to note the minute we do not know the context. He could be limited for another reason. He could have a hip issue. He could have a dodgy calf. Like, we do not know at the minute it is associated with that knee injury. The other thing is, the team could just be being precaution, uh, taking precautions to avoid running into 
issues that he had last year. Okay, so it might be that they're wanting to manage his load, ramp him up slowly because they don't want him to have knee soreness rather than him being limited because he has knee soreness right now. Those are two slightly different but kind of related ways that you can handle this. And I think that does change the narrative around quite how concerning this injury is. And we just don't have that information. Yeah, I mean, he played 134 total minutes last season. So I could definitely see, you know, slowly ramping him up, limiting him maybe to like one-on-one or three-on-three or something, and then letting him go five-on-five, like right when the first preseason game approaches or something. That could make sense just from a rehab perspective. Like that could have been part of the plan all along, dating back to last season when he was still like recovering from surgery and whatnot. Kind of just be like, we'll let you sit the rest of this year, get healthy over the summer, slowly ramp it up during preseason next year. By opening night, you'll be ready to go. So that could just be the case here. But I mean, like I said at the beginning, it could also be like confirming yeah. all of the worst fears and everyone's worst worries. Like this is the same thing that was bothering him last year. It's just as bad as it was a year ago at, before he had surgery. And now we're back at square one, basically with somebody who is uh, projects to be at least an important a bench yeah. piece and rotation member. So I, I could think definitely that's the be more likely. Thing. I think that's the more likely option. If I'm just being honest, unfortunately, I, I think you're right. Yeah. I agree. But, but it's important that people don't jump to conclusions just yet. And and if that is the case, it would be for me, like red alert for Cody Martin bad. as a player. Like, because at that point you've had surgery, you've rested it. Like what else is there left to do? Um, now, again, we don't know the details around this. Um, these are always these knee injuries are always way more complex than fans want to make them. Uh, it is not simply as, as simple as we want to make it out to be. Um, we don't know if Cody ended up. We, he needs to get to Germany. Can we buy him a plane ticket to Germany? To yeah, we got to get plasma, him the, plasma therapy exactly. with Kobe Bryant. Got. That's what we need <laughs> to get, get the, Cody. The platelet-rich injections or whatever they're called or something like that. I can give him some great Bratverse recommendations if he heads to Berlin. So uh, let's get Cody Martin a plane ticket. Um, but it's it's a shame because he's just a perfect Clifford player, right? It, Steve Clifford talked about him being a big part of the team last year. Um, he was almost going to be the sixth man going into last season, and this team really needs his skill set. It's something that not a lot of other people have can do what he does on this team. So it's a real shame about Cody Martin. I am, uh, you know, faintly hopeful that this is just precaution, um, but we'll I'm sure get more information. Hopefully, a little bit more clarity on, on media day itself. Bryce McGowan's out for a little bit after an ankle sprain. Um, th- we don't know how recent this was. Is this something that happened a month ago? Did it happen last week? Uh, how long is a little bit? We don't know. Um, the way it was phrased, the fact that uh, you know he is going to be out suggests to me that he is not going to be a go for next week at training camp, uh, but maybe could possibly come back at some point over over the training camp preseason schedule. I think with it with the tweaked ankle, as long as it's like nothing major, grade two, grade three sprain, I would suggest that would probably be what I expect to happen here. But without knowing more details when it happened or more timetable, uh, I don't know. But the Hornets backup shooting guard, small forward, is looking uh, thin, a little thin just before the season's even started here. Once again, <laughs> once again, I mean... The sprained ankle bug seems to have not gone away after last year, but the thing well, that's really... never going to go away is the sport no, basketball. We we yeah. all know this. Like I've sprained my ankle five hundred times playing basketball. It's it's just what happens. Um, and like we said, everyone like gets affected by it differently. Some people are out for like two months. Some people out for two weeks. It's really variable between different players. Yeah, like who not like right now and the the for a little bit like very vague, which I'm sure. You know, Steve probably didn't get confirmation of a timeline, so he just went with that instead of, you know, making something up or being incorrect, which is totally understandable from his part. But, I mean, like, that could mean, like you said, he's going to be back in two weeks. He's going to deal with it pretty easily. He could be in a walking boot or something like that right now. We have really no idea. But what really I think is the biggest thing for me is, like, he probably was had the upper hand in any sort of, like, position or rotational battle because he was, you know, he – graduated off of a two-way last year with how well he played, had his career-high scoring outing in the that last regular season game where 
It was basically him and Mark like running the show for the the Hornets in that last game against the Cavs. Like I, I feel, have to think that he would have had a leg up on like Nick Smith Jr. or basically anybody else that had come in. Like even maybe even Cody Martin because Bryce McGowan's theoretically would have been fully healthy coming off of a fully healthy season. But this kind of shoots that in the foot a little bit. Uh, it just kind of sucks for him. Not that I thought he was going to carve out some sort of six-man rotational role, but, I mean, there's a role that, world in which he is, you know, the ninth or tenth guy in the rotation on opening night, and I think that's just going to be I, I a think, little bit wasn't tougher it one of your? Now. It was one of your Hornets tape purges, wasn't it? I think yeah, that Bryce was. McGowan's was going to be involved in the rotation from, from early in the season. So, yeah, I, I think there were minutes up for grabs, maybe at that backup 2-3. I guess with let's assume here that for the first couple of games, um, let's just assume that both players are going to be out, right? Like while Mars Bridges is out during that first mm -hmm. 10 game period, if both Miller, sorry, both Martin and uh, Bryce McGavins are out, who do you think is next in line and that kind of backup shooting guard, small forward remit to who will got most to gain here from this opportunity? It's got to be Nick Smith, right? I mean, basically the only guy left on a fully guaranteed contract that would be at that position. I, I guess James Booknight as well. But yeah, if you're thinking of somebody name. that's more of like a ball handler type, like I think you'd look right at Nick Smith Jr. and be like, this is your opportunity right now. Like Cody Martin was not necessarily a backup point guard, but other than LaMelo and Terry, like was probably the tertiary playmaker off of the bench or something like that. That could be Nick Smith now if especially if Bryce McGowan's isn't healthy too. That's just one less young guard that he has to work his way through on the depth chart. Uh, I mean, this could be a prime opportunity for him to get like big preseason minutes, like even more than he would have already as a rookie that they were probably going to give him more minutes to let some of the veterans rest anyway. Now he kind of just like has to play regardless, unless you're going to run a nine man rotation or something in a preseason game. Nick Smith is going to be out there like pretty much or pretty early in the first half just because of the way that the depth is shaken out in the preseason. So I think this is a pretty big opportunity for him, I think. From what you from what you saw in Summer League, you would have Nick Smith ahead of James Booknight at this point. That and like just the fact that he's in his first year in the league has much longer to develop before you have to sign him to an extension. I think that's probably worth tapping into early on rather See, than that's like the kind of thing where salvaging I think coach, something. I always think James coaches Booknight. feel the opposite of that. Like if you're that's new probably in the true. League, you're probably right. If you're new in the league, they're like, well, let's just go with the guy who's been here for two or three years and gets it. Like, And yeah. that's where <laughs> I always think that they he could lean towards James Booknight in that scenario. That is true, but I James Booknight probably hasn't been somebody that's earned their minutes yet to this point either. He's just been kind of getting them by virtue of the team being decimated by injuries. So that, I think, is where even like if McGowan's was healthy too, he would be ahead of him. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. also. like I think that's where they can kind of make up the gap a little bit is that yeah <laughs> the players ahead of them that are older have not necessarily earned their rotation minutes yet either it's an interesting position for james booknight because coming into training camp i really thought his path to minutes was basically non non-existent because i had both yeah. cody martin and bryce mcgowan's ahead of him in the depth chart and he wasn't i didn't think going to be going back to greensboro and i didn't really know where this was going now by fate he has an opportunity and will he take it with two hands will he earn that spot um, my other thought also maybe went to, well, like maybe Brandon Miller gets these minutes as the backup two. And then you talk about playing JT Thor at the three and, you know, you can, you can get into Ooh. some funkier lineups. Um, we know Steve Clifford likes positional size. We're going to have the quote on that in a, in a little bit here. Um, but there are other ways that you could, you could go about it by just going a lot bigger across the board. You probably lose that maybe a little bit of playmaking, but that's that's an adoption as well. You get Brandon Miller at two, JT Thor at three. Um, I don't know who's playing back at power forward for you at that point because Miles Bridges is still suspended. So maybe that's more likely after this, you know, when Miles Bridges is back available. Um, but yeah, shame to hear. But look, this could be a lot worse. I also want to put it this way. You know, you look at the New Orleans Pelicans, they got Trey Murphy, who has just had a Seriously injury, I think he tore, tore his meniscus. Jose Alvarado has got a sprained ankle, is going to be out for a little bit of time there. And those are two guys who are absolutely, you know, one of them was maybe going to start and they're going to be core rotation pieces. I would still say that Cody Martin and Bryce McGowan were going to be on the fringes of a Hornets rotation. And 
Like it actually hurts a little bit more at the start of the season because Bridges is also out, so you've not got that. But um, at least Mark Williams is fully healthy. Lamella Ball's a full go. Gordon Hayward is not hurt yet. These are all like good things. You talk about some of the most important players. I think Charlotte can survive without Cody Martin. I think they can survive without Bryce McGowan's. I'm not sure if they can survive if they're missing, you know, some of their key starting players. So this isn't great news. Obviously, you hope everybody comes into camp perfectly healthy, but it could be a lot worse. All right, moving on. Second quote from a, another Reed Rocker, uh, Steve Clifford. Praise number two pick Brandon Miller for being a quick learner. That he's a throwback player and that he get when he gets the ball, he moves and cuts and he loves his positional size. Um, the first really we've heard about Steve Clifford talking about Brandon Miller since really the draft. Um, what are your thoughts on that quote? Anything jump out to you in particular or do you think just standard coach offseason, you know, pumping up your new draft pick talk? I think it's definitely a little bit more of the latter, but I do like the throwback player comment. Mm. Like, not even for the fact that, like, I think it's true or not. I do think there's some some merit to it, but obviously it's hard to be, like, an old-school guy and coming up in the 2020s and having to be the type of player that Brandon Miller is, being, like, an extremely high-volume three-point shooter. But I think it just shows that Steve Clifford has, like, an appreciation for the way that he plays basketball, and he views him as a player that can fit into like his coaching philosophy which like right off the bat if you're making that sort of impression as a rookie like right away not even somebody that's like you know a number one pick or even the normal number two pick that's just thrown onto their team and is like the guy and getting starter minutes like Brandon Miller very well could come off the bench this whole year and he's already coming into camp like making a good impression on the coaches the head coach even like making him view him as somebody that could easily fit into their system and what they're trying to do so that's definitely a positive just for him to come out and say, because Cl Steve Clifford has a very specific way of like talking about basketball and how he like players that he likes and uses very specific like words. And he talks about like defense or rebounding and cutting and off ball movement. If he talks about you and using any of those like phrases or terms, he definitely likes the way that you play. So this is a good sign. Yeah, I think see, Steve Clifford, I don't imagine, is a great fan of AAU basketball. No, <laughs> I think definitely it's not. safe to say that he doesn't lo love watching that tape. Um, he likes guys to be unselfish, not to hold the ball. Like we see now that especially America specifically due to the, the grassroots basketball culture, it's developing a lot of these guys who take a lot of shots, have great handles, like not always system players. And you see them str sometimes struggling to fit when they get to the NBA or all of a sudden you're not the best player on the floor anymore, you've got to fit into a system. You've got to find ways to be effective without having the ball. And it seems like Brandon Miller has some of that. And we saw some of that in that, in that Warriors game in Summer League where he finished with the eight assists and they were doubling him. He didn't try and force it like maybe a traditional top two or three pick in the draft would do and, and try and beat the double team. He just made the right play. And he was perfectly comfortable with him doing that. And I think that shows that he plays with a level of basketball IQ and maturity and unselfishness. And um, it's just a great trait for highly skilled players to have because what he's basically saying there is he can fit into any role. Like he can fit next to any star players you put around or any other players. He'll find a way to an adapt. So I really like what I hear around that. And the positional size, we, we all know Steve Clifford loves positional size. But this just made me think again that I'm convinced they're going to try Brandon Miller at shooting guard in training camp and, and maybe in preseason as well. Um, I, I talked a little bit about it in the pre-draft process. For me, it was like, if he can play shooting guard, great, let's look at it. But you're not drafting him, assuming he would be able to, because I just don't quite know about that perimeter speed. But you look at someone like Paul George, and he was able to do it for a lot of years. And that is a guy who Brandon Miller models his game on. And he does have the skill set, I think, offensively. But do you think, again, like Brandon Miller being looked at as a shooting guard could be something that this this coaching staff really leans into during the season? I think that it would be wise of them to explore at the very least. Like, I think that whether or not he can play the two is a hinge point for like the future of this team, because yeah. that changes significantly how you construct the roster, not only like around him, but if you have him and LaMelo in your backcourt, like... Wow. We, we can six, talk eight, about six, this. nine. That's what I'm saying. Like we can talk about, we'll talk about this later with the fit of the, the backcourt player alongside LaMelo, 
you have a six nine off ball shooter that can defend the point of attack, can defend multiple positions. Like, but can he defend is, the point of attack? That's the question, I, right? That, that would, well, yes, that's true. That would be that if he plays the two, that would be like folded into it. You would assume anyway. But like, if that all can come true and he can play the two and be like that reliable two guard, like two way player, you can slot in, you know, off ball movement wings or like just you generally just get much bigger down the positional spectrum as well with a six eight player as your two guard. Yeah, but like the you rebounding. Can just slot in, Exactly, so many different types of players that you can freaky. put. It, yeah, exa- like it's so many different types of players you can put around them. Like you can ha- sign- significantly decrease like the amount of spacing in like a front court player with the amount of spacing you'd have with Lamelo and Brandon Miller in the back court. Like there'd be no issues with like Mark Williams or Nick Richards or something not being spacers. Like it just allows you so much more versatility if he has that versatility himself, um, which. I mean, I I think it's worth finding out like right now. Like, why not? You know, like it's not like the Hornets are in a position where like if Brandon Miller plays poorly, they're gonna go from a playoff team to out of the play in or something like that. It's kind of just a bonus, like if he plays really well this year and can fit into a lineup, especially in in that type of way. So it's worth so worth trying out for sure. Here's the why not, right? You are bringing bringing Brandon Miller, who's already in the microscope, being the number the number two pick. Everything going on. You want to put him in a position where he's going to succeed, where he feels comfortable. Him shifting from playing basically the three or the four at Alabama to now playing, and he was a big basically in high school and AAU. He played five. To then playing the two in the NBA when you're trying to adapt and having to like, Lamella Ball's probably not going to guard, like you say, point, opposing teams point guards. So him having to guard point guards while trying to adapt and learn everything else. That could put him in a position where he struggles and he lacks confidence and the, the learning curve is just too steep. So that, that's the reason why not to. I do think it's something that you you investigate, you look at, but it's maybe not something that you fully lean into from day one for that reason. You kind of build him slowly there. You build his confidence, you give him the opportunity to prove it. You speak to him, see how he finds it. I, I personally don't see him as someone who can guard like point of attack defender that's not what i saw on the film in alabama i i'd love to be wrong on that um but maybe charlotte have a system where i don't know with like those two guys length on the perimeter maybe you don't have that traditional approach um you know if you if you have a big who is hedging a lot then then maybe that's not something you have to do as much so that that's the reason i think you maybe don't jump in two feet straight away but i definitely agree that you do experiment Okay, next up, Kai Jones. We've we've br- talked talked briefly about some of the Kai Jones uh, situation recently, but this is the first time we've heard anyone from the team speak on it. Um, I'm very, I was quite surprised that Steve Clifford even commented in this uh, media session to to Steve Reed, the Reed Rocker. Um, Steve Clifford said the team isn't going to comment on the Kai Jones situation. And it's a matter that is being handled internally. So already it seems that this is the first confirmation we have that the team are actually, there is a situation that has to be handled, right? If something's being handled internally, there is a recognition that something is going on. So that's the first we've heard of that. We also learned that Jones has not been participating in voluntary team workouts. Um, uh, Steve Reed goes on to say, and this is, I think, speculation from his point of view, that there is clearly some concern there. It's unclear right now if the former first-round pick will participate in training camp. Now, this Sky Jones saga has gone from being, like, weird to is he really beefing with his teammates to actually, no, maybe he's just really kind of being quite strange. But now he's skipping voluntary workouts, or at least he hasn't been there for voluntary workouts. Again, we don't know from this if the team have asked him to stay away from voluntary workouts while he sorts through maybe some challenges he's facing or if he has not been turning up when invited and asked. And again, there is quite an important delineation between those two points of view there. Uh, I think people are probably going to jump to the conclusions that he's not been showing up, but it is important. Like if someone is going through, and again, I'm speculating here, but a mental health challenge um, that sometimes you know, they need to separate that work and they just need to work on themselves a little bit of time. So that could be something else here. But overall, pretty concerning, I think, news here for Kai Jones. And yeah, something that I really think is threatening his NBA career and either 
judging from his social media posts, which are still ongoing during all this, he either doesn't care about or he doesn't realize. And I don't know which one is more worrying than the other. I mean, the guy lives in Charlotte, like spent there the whole offseason in Charlotte. So if he wanted to be at these workouts, it's just mm. down the road. So uh, it's either one, he doesn't want to be there. The team currently doesn't want him there with what has been transpiring on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot, I guess, which on its face is like not a harmful thing at all. It's just like internet posting. And we ha- we also have to remember that Kai is what, like 22 or 23, like members of the younger generation use the internet in a different way than like most of like the people that are like media aged or like team employee aged people do. So there's always going to be a little bit of a disconnect there. But obviously, it's gotten beyond that like level of you know misunderstanding, um, and it is something that is affecting the team now because they're being asked questions about yeah. him uh, at press conferences. And if it wasn't a problem before, I can you can bet your sweet ass it is now that people are showing up at conferences like this, being like, "Hey, we've seen these weird Instagram posts from this guy on your team. Is he going to be at practice?" And then if the coach has to answer that type of question, that's when it crosses the line. But so now I like who knows what's going to happen or where he is, what he's where he's not or whatever they're going to do is completely unclear at this moment because it's like a very weird, abnormal situation. But I hope that it works out for both sides and something gets sorted out here before training camp actually starts and that everyone will be present uh, on the first day of work next week. Yeah, we can hope. But then part, partly, like, do his teammates want him to be there, right? We've seen him calling out, and it's like, at first I thought it was him lacking self-awareness. Then I thought it was a joke, and maybe I thought all of his teammates were in on it. Yeah, and, that's and, what I thought too, but clearly not. Yeah. Well, I, and, and maybe this is why they're asking him to stay away, because they don't want this being an issue if people, like, do have problems with what he's been doing. And maybe they just don't even want him to be around for the team, like, and the thing is, Kai is not good enough to be pulling stuff like this. Yeah. Like, Kai is fighting for his NBA career. We've been saying this. I mean, I think I said after Summer League on a podcast, I said, like, I am I think I'm I'm out on the Kai Jones experience. I remember, yes, I remember that, yeah. I, I firstly said it. I, I didn't know I could get more out than I was then. Um, I think I'm there now. Um, that, that was before all of this even started. This was just the basketball, and I was out. Um, so it's, it's strange, man. I, I, it really feels like Kai has changed quite a lot since he came into the league. Um, I never thought we'd be having this kind of conversation when we, we spoke to Kai Jones on this very podcast. Um, and he came on and he was really gracious with his time. He was great to speak to. He was good fun. Um, and I don't know, uh, you know, since then, I think I, I don't, I don't want, I can't speculate, but Stuff has changed, and I don't think it's been in a good way for Kai's NBA career. And I, I will say, if, if Kai isn't part of this roster and is not part of training camp, this team needs another big. Yes, absolutely. If, if Mark Williams and Nick Richards goes down... They have literally nobody. You're like playing P.J. Washington at center. <laughs> exactly. You're playing P.J. Washington at center again. Um, that is something that Steve Clifford, I don't think, wants to do apart from very specific mm. matchups. There are other bigs out there in free agency market right now. You know, if, if but yeah, th- that's just my opinion. I think they need to work to find a big if Kai Jones is not going to be part of this team because I don't think there's many teams that go into the NBA season with two centers. Like normally there is three. That's basically what every single team does is carry three, three people who can play as, as the big. Okay. Uh, that's it for our Reed Rockers. Thank you, Steve Reed. For, uh, that is for a us. wonderful name for when Steve Reed breaks news. By the way, we definitely gotta we gotta present this to him so he can he can just do like the two uh, like the red alarm buzzer things, like Reed Rocker, and then just post the tweet underneath. Yeah, it. we can. Uh, we he needs to patent that. We can. You know, we'll split it 50-50 for, for right. the Reed Rocker logo merch. We can do yeah. that, right? Yeah, we got. We'll get the website going here in a sec. Yeah. Okay, that is everything on Steve Reed. Uh, thank you for those little bits of information. And, and we were supposed to record this podcast yesterday, and we had to reschedule. 
And what a good job we did. This is where basketball yes. gods already shining on us because now we've got to cover all that, that great news. So that's good. Um, before we move into section two on Tyler Hero, I want to tell you about this podcast is brought to you by allhornets.com, a credential Charlotte Hornets media outlet powered by Sports Illustrated. Allhornets.com's aim is to bring you 360-degree coverage of all things Charlotte Hornets, from breaking news, rumors, fan Q&As, and in-depth analysis. Allhornets.com covers it all, and nobody does it better. Right. I'll hear a chase. Um, friend of the program, Jake Fisher, come on the podcast before, giving us his time, wrote in his latest piece, keep an eye on Utah playing a potential role in a three or four team uh, outcome of these Damon Lillard conversations. If Portland ultimately does business with Miami, the Jazz, as well as the Bulls, Hornets, and Nets are considered a team interested in landing Tyler Hero from the Heat, sources said. So this is the first time that I think it's been reported that the Hornets have interest in Tyler Hero as a potential option. I think the Nets has been out there before. The Jazz has been out there before. But the Bulls and Hornets are relatively new pieces. What are your thoughts, Chase? Tyler Hero, do you, are you surprised to see this linked? I know I shared some of my so, uh, thoughts on social media, but what are your thoughts on Tyler Hero? Yeah, I am a little bit surprised. I mean, we all knew that like the Hornets had the potential to get in on this Damian Lillard deal or like a James Harden trade or a similarly big blockbuster trade and be that third team that facilitates things a little bit because they have some high salary veterans and Hayward and Rozier that can match contracts pretty easily with most players around the league, really, just by adding one of those veterans and a couple other guys on, you can pretty much move around any piece that you would need to. But to actually see it happen outside of, you know, people constructing trades for some sort of like thought exercise on the internet is pretty surprising. I mean, the way that Tyler Hero would fit into the team from like a basketball perspective is one thing, but to be interested in somebody who, I mean, you assume that they have this interest in him is because they believe that he can be like a top option on their team. And he is kind of one for the heat right now, but obviously with the Hornets, he'd be taking a pretty significant upgrade and his role and his status on the team and his importance mm. to like the the success, I think. Like, I don't know if you're trading for Tyler Hero for him to be your sixth man like he was for Miami. I think the Hornets would be moving to get him to make him kind of like a core part of this rotation here. So it's very interesting to have them actually be tied in there because the, the only players they can give up for him are other players like that, like Gordon Hayward or Terry Rozier, and then, you know, combine him with whatever low salary rookie scale guys that you want. You need to give up like your second, third, fourth option to get him anyway, which kind of just by default throws him into that slot as well. So whether or not you believe that he is that player from a basketball perspective is one thing. But I thought it was very interesting that the Hornets were included in that list because that's kind of like what they'd have to do for me in my eyes is they'd really be putting a lot of, you know, stock in this LaMelo hero, Brandon Miller, Mark Williams future. So with all that said, and, and I was surprised too. Why well, like why have we not talked about this earlier as a an idea as a concept? Uh, if, if for all that you know the reasons you outlined there, there obviously it sounds like there was something like that was holding you back from thinking that this was going to be something that the the Hornets would be worth getting involved in. And I've got my own thoughts, but I'm I'm curious to get yours. See, I part of it. So for me personally, part of it is the basketball perspective. I don't really think he's a fantastic fit. Okay. So that's probably this is, that's this is probably where, this why. Is where he match up. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really think he would be the guy that I would pursue to put alongside Lamelo. A from a basketball perspective, and B from like what I just said, like the salary commitment that you have for him, and who you're the salary slot that you're replacing is just is not going to line up. I think with where you'd want him to slot in as like is as having his role on your team. Like right now with Miami is probably I think the ideal spot for him, like being a sixth man spot starter that yeah can definitely put up 20 points per game but you know if you put him in a bigger role the defensive shortcomings the playmaking inconsistency the lack of ability to get separation and get by players as a as a ball handler and get to the rim consistently and finish there efficiently that all gets exacerbated and i've been a big proponent of these like I don't want to say microwave scorer types because this is a little more than that but it, i guess that's probably the closest term like Tyler Hero, Jordan Poole, 
Anthony Simons. Like, I actually think these players are very valuable to have on your team. It's just the the way that the Hornets would have to make this deal would be giving him a little bit too much value on your team, if that makes any sense. Like, I, I'd rather make this type of, like, big move for somebody that fits better, is a you're at least committing, like, a different level of salary if they don't fit as well or if they're not as high up on the pecking order of for your team here. So it, Hero just wouldn't be that guy for me, which is probably why I never really thought of it to begin with. Just like subconsciously was not, you know, yeah. pulling him to the top of my mind. But what, what are what, what are your thoughts on it, James? Yeah, I mean, very similar to you. I think the first thing I think about when adding to this team is defense, because that's something yeah. that this team has struggled to do. I, I think they're going to be a good offense this year with the tools that they've got. I don't think they have great defensive talent. And you add Tyler Hero, a small, undersized uh, combo guard, who, you know, one of the reasons the, that Miami are probably, like, happy to move on from him is he doesn't fit their defensive identity. Um, at the same time, it's not often a 23-year-old talent with his level of production over multiple years uh, who is locked in on a long-term four-year, four $120 million contract, so $30 million per year, comes available to trade for the, the rumors reports, like a first-round pick. I mean, if you were to say you could draft a player for the next four years that plays at Tyler Hero's level, where does that go in the draft? I mean, I, I think he's probably a, a somewhere picked between like three and six in the draft, something of that value. And you're able to get that for definitely a, top for a, ten for sure. Like, yeah, for like a, a future first. Um, so I can understand why a team like Charlotte, who you know aren't probably going to attract big free agent players, could look to acquire someone just because he's young, he fits like with the core in terms of timeline, and he's locked up for four years. And and that I can understand. Like if he didn't have the the defensive weaknesses and some like the skill set basketball fit wasn't so poor. I think I'd be all over this. This is like, this is like when Jarrett Allen ended up getting traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers, where the Brooklyn Nets just needed somewhere to dump him as part of the Kevin Durant trade or the James Harden trade. I forget which one there was. Um, and basically, the Cavs were like, "Yeah, we'll we'll take him like for a late first round pick." I think they gave up a Milwaukee Bucks twenty uh, first round pick. And they took him on, and he ended up becoming an all-star in Cleveland. Um, the, the, so I can see some of the value if the, the cost wasn't great. I don't love that Charlotte are already missing their future first-round pick because this makes trading another future first-round pick even trickier. Um, the only way I see this making sense is like if you want to move him for Haywood. Because for me, like, Terry Rozier versus Tyler Hero on the contracts they're currently on. Which would you rather have for the next three years? I know Terry Terry Rozier. is a four-year contract. It's so Terry would I. I, th like I think he's. A, I think. I think he's yeah. a better defender. I think he's he can play more more versatile player to play as a backup ball handler. I think he's yep. a better leader. Um, better shooter. And I, I think he's exactly. Yeah, I think he's a better shooter too. So like yeah. for me, I don't want to shuffle the chairs to move out Terry Rozier and bring in Tyler Hero. That that doesn't really do anything for me. Mm -mm. If you're, I don't, I, I don't think Miami does either. Like that's another thing, because do you think Miami would even want that to replace Hero with Terry Rozier and have Damian Lillard and Terry Rozier be their starting backcourt or their main no, backcourt? Probably court? not. That's another. That's another thing that I didn't even think of until right now. Like that's just another. Or layer Portland, you know, you, yeah, you could like, say that I don't he's think they guy. want him either. You got Scoot. You got Anthony Simons. Gordon Hayward begins to make a little bit more sense to yes. me. I, I went into this thinking that. Tyler Hero, I don't really see it. But actually, as I look at this more, like if you know you're going to lose Gordon Hayward for nothing, nothing this offseason, maybe you do just flip him for Tyler Hero and you give Portland an expiring contract, gives them financial flexibility. Portland could probably flip him again at the trade deadline for future talent, draft equity. Um, maybe that's something that makes more sense. You probably do take a little bit of a hit this year, I think, because I think Gordon Hayward, if he is healthy, if 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 uh, is a better, probably more useful talent for this Hornets roster specifically than Tyler Hero. But I could I could see a way for it. You know, this team isn't going to have cap space in the summer anyway. So adding Tyler Hero instead of Gordon Hayward doesn't really change the 2024 offseason for them. No, and like 
I think overall, if this did actually go down, and I, I don't know about you, but I don't think it's very likely that the Hornets ended up actually being this third team that got Tyler Hero, but it's definitely, it was mentioned by Jake Fisher, who is one of the most reputable reporters in the NBA sphere. So obviously this is something that is a possibility, even if yeah. it's unlikely. And I want to say, everyone gave Jake Fisher a bunch of crap in the build yeah. of the free agency when he reported that the Hornets and Miles Bridges weren't close on the deal. And um, even mm -hmm. I was a bit surprised to see that report. And it was very strongly worded ahead of free agency. And a lot of Hornets fans gave Jake Fisher a lot of crap. Don't listen to Jake Fisher. Who are his sources? What does he know? All I want to see is what he said was absolutely true, Hornets fans. So he is dialed in to some extent. They were far away in talks, and he ended up signing that qualifying offer. He, he's absolutely. He's one of the most dialed in reporters that yeah. is out there right now, other than Woj and Sean. I remember he... When DeJounte Murray got traded to the Hawks, he had came out and said like beforehand that it was like about to happen. And everyone was like, no, nah, that doesn't make any sense. Why would the Hawks pair DeJounte and Trey together? And then look at that. It, it ended up working out. So Jake Fisher is definitely somebody that if he reports something, you can take it with a certain level of merit at the very least. But I mean, back to, to Tyler Hero, like I, even if this did go down, like the fit is one thing, but I think overall, like, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be terribly upset, I guess, just because of the idea of adding another player to your young core that's, like, actually talented is never truly a bad thing. So long as they don't give up picks that make it difficult or, like, impossible even to trade future picks for, like, another player that could be, like, a borderline all-star because that's kind of the the miss or the gap here for me is I don't think Tyler Hero is that, like, borderline all-star type of guy. He's probably a little bit below that. And I think most competitive playoff teams have, like, two all-stars. So you'd still need to find that second guy, which means you need to retain the assets to make a trade in the is event you Brandon need to Miller? do so. That's, that could be. But if I don't – that you probably won't know that for sure – at least until the end of this year, yeah, maybe by the deadline, maybe, but it probably mm -hmm. most, most likely a couple years. Like we've been spoiled, I think over the last five years when so many young players have just come in and killed it like right away, like with all the influx of talent that comes to the league. But like it, there is a, an, a chance where that happens. And then if you do retain those assets down the line, this would become like one of those, like you didn't see it at the time, but it turned into like an extremely valuable trade that ended up giving, basically just giving the Hornets like an extra young player to add to their core for free. Like if they ended up flipping Hayward, who they weren't going to keep and didn't trade away a bunch of valuable assets or yeah. something. But like, that's a, that's like a dream scenario for the Hornets. So it how is. likely and is that? I, that's I agree with what you said. Like if you trade a future first and you've got the one currently owed, which is with San Antonio at the minute, you're basically ruling yourself out of trading for yeah. any star for the next, I don't know, three seasons because you will not have picks to compare because the Charlotte don't have any incoming first-round picks from any of the teams. Um, so you, you do limit yourself to some extent. Um, I, one thing that crossed my head is, well, maybe they just want some insurance for if Lamella goes down again. You know, we've seen that he is not the the most, you know, this team has struggled offensively when ball's not been playing. And Tyler Hero is a guy who can be like a high-usage role and like I, I do think his sixth man role, that is what I would have him to do in Charlotte. Like I would have him as that sixth man. I don't know what that means, maybe for guys like Nick Smith Jr., who've just who we've just drafted. But those are, you know, issues for you know future front office problems that you don't need to resolve right now. I'd understand if you just want to get talent in the door and you want to have, you know, a bench unit, which for the last three seasons, Charlotte's uh scoring when Lamella was off the floor was just was very much a struggle. Um, and maybe they just want to bring on someone who can carry and lift that offense a little bit. So at first I was a hard no. Um, as I dug in more, I think if you involved Hayward in some way, then I could be convinced it's the right thing to do. But still, I agree with you, that basketball fit with Lamella ball is just not good. And uh, you need Mark Williams to be, you know, 2018 Rudy Gobert, I think, if you're playing those two in the backcourt, which if he is, then hey, I'll sign me up. That was, I'm so glad you said that because that was literally going to be my next point was that if Tyler Hero is on this team, pretty much no matter who he's on the floor with at any given time, he is the worst defender in your lineup. And then if he's playing with 
the starting unit of Lamelo, Hero, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and Mark Williams. Let's say that's their closing lineup or whatever. If Hayward is gone, like let, Mark Williams literally does have to be the sole like line of defense at the rim. Like Miles Bridges and PJ Washington are just like good or like slightly above average defenders. Neither of them are lockdown guys. And then you'd have Hero, who is like legitimately a bad defender at this point. And it's like a, ne- a pretty clear negative on that end. And then you'd have Lamelo, who is can be a negative, can be a positive when he really taps into like the defensive playmaking and gets steals and stuff. But you would just be asking the world of second year Mark Williams to clean up for the mistakes of all of these people in front of him all game. All se- it it would just be like it. That is a scenario where you put Mark Williams in line to regress as a sophomore, and then the like the future of your team the fan base the coaching staff like it's all just gets flipped on its head with like what type of team you thought you were going to be going forward and what type of team you are in the moment like it would just be you're it just asks so much to make like a bad fit work and that's what i think this would be is if they acquired hero it would just be making a guy that doesn't fit try to fit i would i would say it would be exciting right it trying to figure out how that guy fits into your rotation into your team going forward it, it would be interesting just because you're adding someone of that talent, but yeah, I, yeah, I still it's like think never there's... truly a bad thing to acquire a player that's good as good as Tyler Hero, but it's never it's not automatically a good thing either. Which no, is the, it, the opportunity cost of what play. that limits you from doing, and I, I do think these other teams like the Nets and the Jazz probably have a lot more picks and players that they can include yeah. down the Hornets, a lot more uh, additional flexibility. So if they really wanted to get Tyler Hero. I'm pretty sure they could jump in front of any offer the Hornets could put forward. But who knows how legitimate that interest is. Um, uh, one thing that you know I do know, and I've spoken to you about this, is that the the Hornets team were high on Tyler Hero during that draft. And was he was a guy who was in contention to be selected um, along with that P.J. Washington pick. He was definitely a guy the front office were considering. So this isn't like just some guy. It's like, oh, Who's this Tyler Hero kid? Let's let's look into it. They've liked him from draft day, and now they've got an opportunity maybe to pair him with another player that they liked in PJ Washington, and maybe they want to do that. And a couple of pair of Kentucky teammates, if I'm not wrong, I believe. They, so, they were teammates at Kentucky. Yeah. PJ's second year? Maybe PJ's little uh, recruiting here for Tyler Hero, you know, come to Charlotte. Um, who need who needs USA basketball? You can you can all just play at Kentucky together, and everyone can true. meet up in the league. There, there was a time when Big Blue Nation was just like taking over, wasn't it? Like if you yeah, you like the like late, of late 2010s. John Wall, Anthony Davis, Kyrie, uh, uh, not Kyrie, who's Duke, but there was there was a, a long Demarcus list there. Cousins, Carl Towns, Devin, like, it's so, like so many guys yeah. that like are all like friends now still. So clearly, yeah. it lasts. Um, Michael could Gilchrist, or maybe not so much. Maybe we should say it. <laughs> we could, yeah, say that one quietly at the end. <laughs> That's Darren probably a good idea. Ham, uh, you know, <laughs> Isaiah Briscoe. Yeah. Um. Okay. Last. Last thing, just to mention here, you want to mention a uh, Buddy Heald, who was also this. This was a, a sham shocker. Was a uh, Buddy Heald is basically on the trade block after not reaching a contract extension with the Indiana Pacers. Uh, what are your thoughts on Buddy Heald? He, he's there, it's available, it seems. That was a bit of a call for come make your bids. Uh, it seems like there's been a lot of contenders being linked with him, but do you think Charlotte makes sense at all? See, I actually think on, on its face, this makes more sense than trading for Tyler Hero. On an expiring rather than like a hefty long-term deal, could easily be flipped again mid-season if the value is right because the restrictions for trading him will have been up by then anyway. He wouldn't need to play the whole year in Charlotte um, and then just risk losing him as a UFA. You could just flip him at the deadline if you wanted to. He's also a it much better shooter. Though. I just want to say No, this. that doesn't happen. This that, very, yeah, you're right. I, we always it's talk an about ideal like, scenario. Or we can flip but... this person and like whenever do you sign someone or trade for someone and then like trade them again within... For- it's so very rare for like anyone of actual consequence, but continue. That's, yeah, that's like a like an Ish Smith scenario, much more so than some, someone yeah. who's as valuable as Buddy Heald. Buddy but, Heald, yeah. I mean, it, if you compare him to Tyler Hero, I think Buddy Heald is miles better as a shooter. Um, my favorite 
piece of information or stat, I guess, that I saw when the Buddy Heald rumor came out from Sam Vecini. Outside of Steph Curry, there are only 12 times in NBA history where a player has averaged 40% from three on at least eight three-point attempts per game for a whole season. Buddy Heald has averaged 40.3% from three on 8.3 three-point attempts per game over the last six seasons. So he is essentially the only person really that is on par with Steph Curry in terms of volume and efficiency throughout NBA history. Like Buddy Heald is that he good shoot of it. an NBA shooter. Like the same negatives apply to him as they do to Tyler Hero. Very poor defender, not a playmaker, doesn't have the size or the athleticism really to compete with that many guys on that end. But my God, is he going to fill it up when you like the perfect catch and shoot off ball weapon for LaMelo like that is that is Buddy Heald like he's going to move around he can shoot off the off the dribble a little bit he can fly off of screens he can just spot up and wait like pretty much any off ball shooting role that you'd want him to play he would play and then you get obviously you're getting way less you're giving up way less in a trade for him also and then you don't have to worry about like the salary commitments down the line you don't have to you know trade Terry Rozier or something to get him. You can match uh, Cody Martin, James Booknight, and Kai Jones, I think, is matching salary for Buddy Heald in a three-for-one deal right there. So you oh, wouldn't Indiana even need to send thrilled out. thrilled with that one. <laughs> I'm sure they would. I'm sure you would. they would be. You'd probably have to. See, that was where you'd probably have to attach a first. And this is a question I was going to ask you at the end, but I will right now. Would you rather trade one first for Buddy Heald or two firsts for Tyler Hero? Two firsts for Tyler Hero, no question. Ah, Okay. See, I would rather give up the one and just get Buddy healed. I think you view the one-year contract. Ammo. You view the one-year contract as an asset. I view it as like you're you're giving up something for them, Buddy Heald to leave in free agency, um, and and Tyler Hero's here for four years, and you get to build a team with his skill set in mind that can complement him. So that, that's that's how I look at it. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't be a proponent of doing either, but yeah. I am not giving up a first-round pick for. For Buddy Heald. Why, why do you need Buddy Heald? We had Troy Daniels, right? Troy That's Daniels true. was just Buddy Heald. And we why do you need Buddy Heald? You have Buddy Heald at home. We, we <laughs> exactly. already have Buddy Heald at home. He's a free <laughs> agent right now. We could go sign Troy Daniels. That's uh, true. No. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think this one is is one that I see making sense. I think, you know, thir- Buddy Heald is 31 next summer. Um, he is looking, he's not played meaningful basketball barely in his career. No. He's been like in Sacramento and then to rebuilding Indiana. He <laughs> just wants New to Orleans go somewhere. He was onward bad. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I never really He wants to that. go somewhere where he can play meaningful basketball and where he has a chance to, to win. Um, and I hope he gets the opportunity. I just, I just don't see how it really makes the only way is if, like you said, we want to move Terrorizier's contract now to get flexibility for next season. And and you could move him for Buddy Heald, but again, I I think he is a much lower ceiling guy than Tyler Hero. He's not the same playmaker. I actually think he's a worse defender than Tyler Hero as well. But I do agree he is a, a better shooter. But yeah, I, I'm not aboard the the Buddy train as much as I'd love to cheer for a guy called Buddy. Right? Let's just we skip over this. His name is Buddy. Buddy yep. Heald. Not not a nickname. This, his his this real is, name his is name. Buddy. As much as I would love to cheer for Buddy, hey Buddy, right? I just can't get on board with the Buddy Heel trade. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I. I'm probably with you. I don't think I'd do either one, but I do. I I think I lean more towards this one than the Tyler Hero trade. I, I'd rather make a big trade for a bigger player. I think than Tyler Hero is probably the best and simplest way to put it. And but I mean, I mean, when I saw that stat about Buddy Heel, that like really it brought me back to like when he was at Oklahoma because like oh yeah you could you could see it coming but it just puts it into perspective not only like how good shooters are now but like how much the game has changed like the opportunity for someone of Buddy Heald's status in the NBA to have a solid claim on like second best volume three-point shooter of his era beside behind the best shooter of all time is just so like, I'm so glad the NBA has evolved in this way. Like, it used to just be reserved for, like, all-stars and stars and 25-point-per-game scorers or something. But you can just come off the bench 
light it up and sit down and people will value value you for it and i'm glad i live in the in that world jason capono just grew up in the wrong nba that's what literally though like i jayland <laughs> like steve novak like guys yeah. like that like they would have they would have figured it out yeah um last thing before we get off here um some people might have seen on, online over the past week there was some like twitter beef between austin rivers and miles bridges um, and for those who don't, I'll, I'll briefly recap. Austin Rivers was on his own podcast, basically talking about how the Hornets need to... He was talking about young players in general and how they struggle when not surrounded by good leadership. He wrote that surround the mellow with people who can help him tap into his potential, not deplete it. That's what we're getting a lot now, troubled, troubled youth. Lamelo hasn't done anything wrong, but what is the standard there? You know, some young teams like OKC can do it, but why can't teams like Charlotte uh, you know, probably saying a lot of stuff that, if I'm honest, I think a lot of Charlotte Hornets fans have said themselves over the last 12 to 18 months with some of the off-court issues that Charlotte have faced. Um, Miles Bridges seemed to respond, uh, and I'll read his response here. Uh, y'all hoopers get on these podcasts and talk like y'all really like that. Speaking on other teams, like y'all know what's going on, and most people talking the most shit don't play at all. We're going to see about it this year on me. Um, you know, Miles is obviously a little bit frustrated that he, you know, <clears throat> he is included along with the rest of Lamelo's teammates in people who supposedly deplete Lamelo, according to Austin Rivers. Um, and you know, I get that, but I'll say, I just want to say this for those like jumping at like Miles Brid uh, Austin Rivers being like, oh, Miles Bridges cooked you, who are you to talk about the Charlotte Hornets? Like, this is exactly what Hornets fans have been saying for 18 months and two years. And I understand Miles Bridges' point to be to push back. Like, I get it, right? He's being essentially um, indirectly criticized, as, as are other people. And I get you're going to be protective of your teammates, your players, your franchise. I get it. At the same time, like, Miles Bridges, I just want that guy to keep his head down and work hard and not draw more attention than needs. Like, why are you getting involved in online Twitter beefs from your position? Talk about like throwing rocks from glass houses. You just don't need it. So Miles Bridges, I understand what you're trying to do. Say it up for your teammates, whatever. It, it can't be you. I'm telling you for the next year, you need to keep your name out of these headlines as much as possible. You need to focus on one thing is playing basketball, being a good person, and we do not need online social media beefs, especially when I think the person making the point has a, is making a fair point and not in a disrespectful way. I actually felt like he made it in a relatively respectful way. He didn't call anyone out individually. He's saying something that everyone around the league and fans knew already. I don't think it's a coincidence that perhaps the biggest example of why Austin Rivers is saying that what he did and who the person who was most directly implicated by Austin Rivers implying that the Hornets are not surrounding LaMelo with examples of players who have high character responded to it. Like, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. And that's pretty much where it starts and ends. Like no, none of the other guys said anything about it, but someone who has had a very public off court and serious legal situation that would go stand in direct contrast to what Austin Rivers is saying is the one that spoke up and got most publicly offended about it. Like obviously, and I'm not even saying Miles is entirely wrong. Like I'm sure Austin Rivers actually doesn't know very much about what goes on in the Hornets organization as an outsider. It makes sense that someone on the team would not take kindly to that perspective of somebody who not has never played for the team, probably doesn't know all that many people that play for the team or work for the team. Like that would be annoying to hear. Um, but when you're the guy that he's talking about, it's a little different. And I think that's very clear that that's basically what he was alluding to. There aren't that many other examples of players, you know, setting a poor example or have, you know, what, whatever. He, I don't even know, like, like not being a leader or not being a mentor or whatever it, it term you want to use for like what he was alluding to. Like it just, it, it's not a coincidence that nobody else said something and Miles Bridges was the one that posted a, like a Snapchat story or something about it like that or whatever. But 
Yeah, I mean, I'm we, like, we, I'm with you. Like, just we don't need the social play media basketball, updates. dude. Yeah, play we, we, basketball. We don't need the social media updates. No, um, I'm we so don't, we tired don't need of this. these <laughs> Twitter hissy fits. Like, it's, uh, this and and actually, this is actually his point too. Responding to it is another example of what he's saying because a 30 year old or a, t- a got teams that have like are more veteran players in the room that don't care as much about what people are saying or thinking wouldn't have responded to it either so this is just it, it just adds layers like it adds another layer onto why he was right the fact that you like respond and tell him that he's wrong it's just proves it again like it, <laughs> we've been saying it for months like you're absolutely right this is something that hornets fans many hornets fans have probably said pretty much these exact words before yeah if not and now like, just because someone else said it it's like whoa right it's now like, it's better we yeah. can criticize ourselves but you can't criticize no that's not how it works that's, like no this is not like, at all I, yeah so um i i just wanted to touch on that briefly um but that is everything from us we have our news updates we have our tyler hero conversation we've had our rant on social media uh little uh discussions i was gonna use another <laughs> word there i'm not gonna use it um Chase, that is everything for me. Good talking to you. Next week, we have training camp. We have media day. Looking forward to it already. The offseason is officially over from next week. Good time as always. Thanks for listening, everybody.